The scripture reading this morning will be from Ephesians chapter 4, 31 and 32. And that can be found on the, in the Pew Bibles on page 1040. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. It does encourage us that you're here, and especially on Friends Day, we're really thankful that you're here, and we hope that you can join us later on for the service, for the Bible class that will follow, and then the services this afternoon, and activities as well. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. I know that Recovery Through Christ has had a tremendous seminar training facilitators yesterday, and then it'll continue even today. And I know we have several guests here from about four or five different states, and we welcome you, and we're glad that you're here and we hear great things about uh, this weekend and the good that it's been and we're thankful and glory be to God for that. When we think about Friends Day, one way that you can know it's Friends Day is because it rained last night. We're on about a six or seven year track record. I tell you, if, if we're ever having a drought, we're just going to plan a Friends Day. Uh, let, let me tell you what the plans are at, at this point. Because it's supposed to be cloudy all day, even though it's not supposed to rain the rest of the day, it's very difficult for us to set the chairs up without making a mess at the park. And, and we don't want to do that for the park's sake. Uh, and they don't want us to do that. And so here's, here's uh, our plan B, and it should be a really good plan. We're going to meet here at 4 o'clock. And let me go ahead and say, there'll still be a worship here at 6 o'clock also. But, but we're going to have uh, the worship here at 4 o'clock. And immediately after that worship, we'll go down to the park for the hot dogs and for the children's activities and, and cornhole and the adults' activities and all of those things. It's just we will not take down nearly the volume of chairs and be setting them up in the grass, etc. Now, if you want to bring your own lawn chairs, of course, you're welcome to. We'll have the pavilions to eat in also. And so you bring a chair if you think you'll need it. And, and if not, uh, we... You know, we'll have places under the pavilions and all. And so that, that should work really well, and we look forward to that. Now, a, a neat little thing that, that some of us will do, uh, if you want to, uh, we will end the service here at about 4.40, 4.45. We'll begin at 4. And uh, anybody that wants to walk down together, uh, it's a two-mile walk, and I know we have a lot of folks here that are walkers or runners, or maybe you just want to get out. You know, I grew up in the country where nobody ran or walked for exercise because you worked all day long physically, you know. And so, uh, but you know, the only time I can ever remember my family going out for a walk was Sunday afternoons. A lot of the time on a Sunday afternoon, we say, Let, let's go out for a walk. So if you want a Sunday afternoon stroll that's about two miles long, wear your walking shoes, and uh, right after services, several of us will just jump on the sidewalks, and it'll be about a 30-minute walk, and we'll walk together. Now, if you're planning on doing that, and you're bringing your, you know, whether it's the chips or the, the cookies or the brownies, and, of course, we're not expecting you to carry those as you walk. We're being considered, aren't we? And, and you can drop those off at the 
old fellowship hall downstairs, uh, somewhere close to that entrance, there'll be a table. It may even be on the outside, but there'll be a table there for you to drop that. Now, if you're going to meet up with us in your own vehicle parking at the middle school, there'll be shuttles running there, and there'll be shuttles running all the way back up here for all the people that walk and to get back to your vehicles. But uh, you can, if you're just going to park at the middle school or if you're handicapped and you need inside the park, uh, there'll be places there to drop off your things there. So we're not asking everybody to drop it off here. Just those of you that want to walk down uh, together afterwards, we'll be dropping off here. Should be a really good day. Uh, will you help us get the word out, especially the people that you have invited? We'll be sending out a phone tree and, and a family tree message and etc. But of course, that doesn't reach the people that you've invited. So please follow back up uh, with the people that you've invited and let them know that we'll start out here and then we'll finish up the day uh, down at the park and we'll look forward uh, to that time together. It ought to be really a great time together. It's kind of hard to believe in one sense how fast 10 years can go by. And right now, uh, there's a group at Purlington, Mississippi that uh, is kind of, in a sense, celebrating the building back after Katrina. And, you know, we had a lot of people here that went down for years and helped build back, especially in Purlington, Mississippi. And one of the things that was built down there was a church building. And so Glenn Kaufman and Roger Hundley and Stan Williams, Bobby Cole and Kurt Nelson left out early this week. And they left out early in the week because they wanted to do some work while they were down there. And so they pulled their equipment down and uh, they spent the early part of this week uh, totally restaining and treating uh, the log structure that is the church building there that, that they helped build uh, back several years ago. And so we're thankful uh, that there has been a building back there. And we're thankful for that small congregation there. And I hope you'll continue to pray uh, for that small group of Christians there, uh, for their steadfastness and for their uh, growth of the Lord's kingdom in that place. And we're thankful for each one. There are many in this room that have gone down and worked a week down there over the last 10 years, and several have worked a lot more than one week. And we're thankful for each of you. We're thankful to be able to say, welcome home to White. Uh, John and Leah flew back from China, arrived uh, last night here in Nashville. Uh, beautiful family of eight now. Uh, this next slide shows you, uh, I understand they didn't get a lot of sleep on the plane, so when they finally had a layover, uh, Leah and John took advantage of that. Andrea met them at the layover, and it's just a wonderful, wonderful occasion. She'll, uh, little Leah will go in for... Um, I guess testing, the beginning of testing and all, I believe as soon as Monday. So be praying about her health. There are definitely some serious health issues uh, that will be addressed now uh, that she is in the States. You know, when we think about children, we, we think about Jesus even saying, you know, out of the mouth of babes will come forth praise to God. Uh, young people and children have a way of saying things that just penetrate to the truth. I loved a card that we received this uh, last Sunday. Uh, it's a card by Emily Bradshaw. This is Pat and Steve Bradshaw's granddaughter. And uh, she says in her comment, I think church is a good place to learn about God, Jesus, and the Bible. And I think church should stay forever. Love Emily, second grade. She nailed a lot there. We love you too, Emily. And we think also church is a great place to learn about God and Jesus and the Bible. And we think also that the church ought to remain around forever. What a beautiful, beautiful thought. And uh, we know that the kingdom universal will remain forever. It's an unshakable kingdom. And let's make sure that our commitment to the Lord is unshakable. And collectively, the church can endure in that. So what do you talk about on Friends Day? 
It may seem a little bit strange, but I don't really know exactly why, except to be able to tell you that this year, when I thought about Friends Day, I couldn't help but think about one of the things that all healthy relationships have. Every healthy relationship has the ability to practice forgiveness. If you're in a relationship and one of you in that relationship will not practice forgiveness, you will not have a long-term healthy relationship. And so today I'd like for us to spend some time looking into God's holy word to see what is it that I could learn about forgiveness that actually will help me be not only a, a, a child of God that is, that is walking in his steps, but do you realize if I really learn this lesson today, I'm going to be a better friend. I'm going to be better coworker. I'm going to be better neighbor, better in the community, better in my family. And so let's give this thought. Now, in Matthew the 18th chapter, and if you will be turning there, we're going to study a lot out of Matthew the 18th chapter this morning. As we look there, we're, in just a moment, we're going to see that he begins again by talking about children because there's lessons about offenses and forgiving offenses that according to Jesus, we must have a childlike humility in order to be able to do that. And I just thought, how amazing is it that this week, the video that has gone viral, many of you would have already seen this, Cherish Sherry is a mother in Canada and her little daughter, Tiana, gave a plea to her mom about her mother and father's relationship with each other. And as you think about Jesus saying, you need to become like children as you work through offenses and forgiveness. Let's listen to just one minute of this three minute clip that's gone viral. Mom, I... Are you ready to be his friend? Yes. Try not to be that, that high up to be friends. I want everything to be low, okay? Okay. Just try your best. I, I don't want you and my dad to be replaced and, and me again. I want you and my dad to be placed and settled and be friends. I'm not trying to be me. I just want everyone to be friends. And if I can be nice, I think all of us can be nice too. I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm trying to do my best in my heart. Nothing else than that. I want you, Mom, my Dad, everyone to be friends. And now let's stand and sing. Isn't that a beautiful plea? I don't, I don't want us to be high. I want us to be low. What would Jesus call that? I want us to be humble. And literally the first paragraph in a pretty long chapter, 35 verses, where the whole chapter, and, and, and he doesn't come at it in a, in a real uh, clean, systematic way. 
Jesus here gives us teaching about offenses, about forgiveness, about whether or not you're going to be a person that continually offends, about whether or not you're going to go after people that are offending others and, and are you going to try to bring them back? He even throws in two different parables in there. Let me tell you about the one sheep that's gone astray. Who's going to care enough to go after them? Let me tell you about this unforgiving servant. Let me tell you about if, if, if you accept God's forgiveness, but then you turn around and won't forgive others, you think I'm going to continue forgiving you? It's amazing. Every word in the 18th chapter in some way ties to offenses. And the first place he starts is showing us what leads to offensive behavior and what the solution of our attitude is. Look with me in the 18th chapter. Let's read the first few verses together. Matthew, the 18th chapter and verse one, at the time the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Think about it. This is grown men. Not only grown men, these are grown men that are, that are going to be the leaders of the church and they are the selected apostles of Jesus' discipleship. And they're coming around in a very childish manner, a very immature manner. I want to be the greatest. I want to be the greatest. What does that lead to? What does arrogance always lead to? It always leads to offenses. You want to offend other people? You go to work tomorrow with an arrogant attitude where you really believe you're just a little bit or a lot better than the people around you. And whether you know it or not, you're going to start offending people. You go to school and you think that you're just that much better than other people. And whether you know it or not, you're going to offend other people. You go back to your family and you live with your family this week and you live telling yourself, I'm just a little bit better than the rest of my family and you will start offending people. Well, what, what's the solution? Let's continue reading. So they're asking Jesus this, which, which by the way, you know, if, if time was endless, we could just go everywhere. If you just turn over two pages in the Bible, remember Matthew, the 20th chapter, where this same discussion is going on, except this time, Salome, the mother of, of John and James have entered the scene and she's asking Jesus, can my sons be one on your right hand and one on your left? In other words, I want them to be in a higher place. I believe they're a little bit better than these other guys. And remember, verse 24 tells us that the other 10 became very displeased. That's what happens anytime people are arrogant around us. We can't help but feel a little bit unsettled, a little bit displeased. And so here's how Jesus handled this situation. In verse two, then Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, assuredly, in other words, he says, you can rest assured, this is 100% true. I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And so he said, I wonder what he means by become like little children. We don't have to wonder. Look at the next verse. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, there are some childlike characteristics that we don't want to follow. We don't want to follow the immaturity of a child. And so Jesus doesn't throw it out and say, I want you to become like a child in every way. He says, I want to tell you exactly what I mean when I say I want you to become like a child. He says, I want you to become like a child in the way you practice humility. Isn't it beautiful the way children can so quickly forget someone that's hurt them? Someone that maybe said something against them and the next day, you know what they want to do? They want to go play with them. You know, adults, you know what adults be saying is, don't you remember what they said to you yesterday? Oh yeah, it's, it's okay. Isn't that a beautiful demonstration of humility? And you say, I, I don't know if I could do that. Sure you can. You do it with yourself all the time. 
Think about how many times you do something wrong and the next day you're able to say to yourself, oh, I just made a mistake, it's no big deal. But isn't that interesting? Your friend does something wrong and you can remember it for three years. Oh, I need to become more childlike where my memory, my willingness to retain everybody else's mistakes is more of a humble approach. You know what? What if I could genuinely say in pure humility, my task on earth is not to keep a catalog of your weaknesses. My task on earth is not to keep a remembrance of everything that you've done that is offensive. And if we could do that, we're going to find a humility that is very much beautiful like a child. But now in that, what we see is that children are able to appreciate the person instead of cling to events that the person has been a part of that are negative. That's real important for the rest of Matthew, the 18th chapter, because ultimately it's about, do we love the people enough to do what's right and best towards them? Do we love people enough to say, I want to do what I can do to help that person get to heaven? That's ultimately what this study is about in Matthew, the 18th chapter. So at one first glance, we could say from the first four or five verses, maybe offenses, maybe they're not that big a deal because after all, we're supposed to have a childlike humility and we're not supposed to focus on those. So let's not worry about offending each other. Let's just make sure that we're humble in our response to it. And that's where Jesus would say, we'll, we'll, we'll stop right there. We need to cover something else and look at the very next verse. In the sixth verse, he talks about that. If you would go around offending little children, you ought to have a millstone hung around your neck and thrown in the bottom of the sea. You're like, whoa, that's a big difference. Uh, okay, I see the first five verses. We need to be humble. But then the next paragraph, the Lord's going to say, don't think that offending others is no big deal. And he's going to show us the reason it's a big deal is because when we keep our eyes, our vision toward eternity... It's a real big deal when we start going around and offending others. And this is the way he says it in verse 7. It begins with a woe. Woe to the world because of offense. You remember woe is a judgment that's going to have negative outcomes. And so this is Jesus saying, I'm casting judgment on this particular topic and it's not going to be good, the outcome. Woe to the world because of what? Because of offenses. For offenses must come. I can't help but smile when I read that. It's not good, but isn't it interesting? The Lord says, by the way, you better get ready to deal with these. Why, Lord? Because everybody's going to have to deal with it. You know why? You're an imperfect person. You're going to offend people. And you know everybody that you're in a relationship with? They are imperfect people. They're going to offend you. Offenses are going to come. It's not the question of, I wonder if I need childlike humility. I wonder if I need to deal with, with, with offenses. Of course we're going to deal with them. But again, it's not to discard it and say it's not a big deal. Look at the rest of this verse. But woe to that man by whom the offenses come. In other words, one way you can understand that last part of that verse is, I don't want to be that man that has brought offenses into people's life. Woe to that man. Now, we're going to make our mistakes. And the question is, are we going to see the times that we offend others as serious as God sees it? And if we will, we'll see then the beauty of forgiveness. It's not, I've never offended anyone. It's that I'm thankful for the grace that God offers to offer forgiveness. And I'm thankful to be in relationship with other people that are also willing to offer forgiveness. 
And then you say, okay, is it just and only so that we can have peaceful lives on this earth? No, and this is where that idea of looking toward eternity, it's so much more than just being able to say, oh, we have the best friendship. We just, we just always get along. Well, that's a good thing, but there's something so much more important about this piece. Look at Matthew, the 18th chapter in verse eight. Verse nine reads very similar. We won't read it, but it's about the eye and the same kind of language. He says in verse eight, if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. Notice in this one verse, he's talked about entering into life, talking about eternal life. And at the end, he's also talked about entering into everlasting fire. What's the Lord trying to say to us about offenses? He says, this is why I want you to realize the seriousness of going around and offending people. It's wrong. And if you say, it's no big deal to me, he says, do you realize you're gonna miss eternal life? And he says, do you realize where you're going to go if you miss eternal life? It's going to be everlasting flames. And so if anybody believes God and is halfway reading at this time, they've got an aha moment and wait, put on the brakes. So I guess this going around offending people is a pretty serious business. And Jesus would say, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Are you concerned if you offend others? And I'm not talking about at this moment while we're reading Matthew 18. I'm talking about last week. When you were just going through your day, would it have concerned you if you had offended one of your children? Would it have concerned you if you offended a spouse? Would it have concerned you if you offended a friend, a coworker, a neighbor? I believe one of the things Jesus is trying to do here is to help us see it's really serious. Well, Lord, what, what do you want me to do? And he says, I want you to think about, there may be some things in life that you like the way it is. But what about if you hanging on to that cost you your eternal life? <laughs> I tell you what, I come from a family of bad tempers and I, I, honestly, I just like a bad temper. Lord says, okay, hang on to your bad temper into everlasting fire. Well, oh Lord, I don't want to go into everlasting fire. He says, okay, cut it off. That's the, that's the language in that previous verse. Cut it off. What are things that you do that you know are offensive? And then the question right now is, are you willing to cut them off? Are you willing to amputate your temper? Are you willing to amputate listening and being a part of gossip? Are you willing to cut out prejudiced words, harsh words, unsympathetic words, coarse and crude language, using God's name in vain? Are you willing to cut the things out of your life that are offensive and, and not hanging on to this? Hey, well, that, that's just me. No, no, if we're a child of God, those are the things that we've cut out of our life because we realize that sacrificing fleshly nature is worth the eternal gain that we have. And that's the language that he uses here to talk about us not becoming offensive people. And the next time you know you've offended someone, don't fall for the old trick that Satan tries to, to throw on us that says, well, that's just their problem. 
No. If you are part of offending them, according to the Lord, it's become your problem now. And so do we recognize the seriousness of it? Do we look into eternity and say, I don't want to enter into eternity with all the wholeness of fleshliness, but I want to cut out the things and enter into spiritual living. Now, if you have your Bible open, we're not going to be looking because it's a lot of passages here, but if you have your Bible open, I'd like for you to just glance down at verse 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. This is a second teaching, still dealing with offenses, if you will, but this is where there were 100 sheep and 99 sheep stayed faithful and one sheep went astray. In other words, there's some kind of offense going on in the life of this sheep. Now, we don't know what the offense was. That's not the important thing. Jesus is giving this teaching down through here and he's talked about being humble like a child and he's talked about cut out whatever in your life is offensive and then he turns around and says, but now are you willing to help others? What about this one sheep over here? Are you willing to go out of your comfort zone? Are you willing to leave the 99? Or are you willing to go out? Hey, but they're the one, they're the one that's in, they brought this on their self. It's not my problem. The Lord says, offenses are serious. Don't you care? Wouldn't you go and try to help someone? He said, well, I, I, don't, I don't know how to help them. Well, when we read verse 15 through verse 20, we see that not only do we need to go, but we learn according to the Lord of how to handle it. We see in verse 15, that verse closes by saying, if he hears you, you've gained your brother. In other words, still, the vision is on eternity. You can go after that one that, that is astray, if you will, and look what you've gained. You've gained a soul into eternity. Isn't it worth it? And he even gives us the method to do that in this particular paragraph. We don't go and, 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 and handle it in front of others. That's embarrassing. It builds up a defense. We go one-on-one -on -one in private. And then if, if it wouldn't listen to one, you take two or three back and make the plea again. And, and hopefully it wouldn't have to come to this, but eventually you could even take it to the church. And, and, and if he won't repent then... You mark him to let, let all know that this individual, the plea of the church is that that individual would return. And then we have verse 20 that sums up this paragraph. And I love how it reads, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. You want to commune with God? You go to a brother or sister that... that Something has tripped them up in life. Some kind of offense has come into their life and, and they're not on the right path and you go to them and you make that plea and you pray together with them and you know what the Lord says? The Lord says, I'll be in the middle of a setting like that. When are the times that you feel close to God? You may say, I'm on a mountaintop in the, the sunrise in the morning and, and, and I see the, the beauty of God's creation and I feel so close to God. That's great, that's great. But you know another time we ought to feel close to God? Whenever we love someone enough to go and seek to resolve a conflict that's taking place and we love them enough to go and talk with them and pray with them. And God says, I'll be right in the middle of that. And then we close this lesson this morning by looking to the memory that we need to have about this topic. You see, the last half of this chapter is, is a story that 
Jesus tells this parable leaping out of Peter's question of, okay, Lord, how, how often, I'm, in other words, you imagine Peter, like I'm picking up on the fact that we're really supposed to forgive others and, and we're supposed to move toward that. I, I'm picking up on that, but how often do we do it? Say the brother comes back a few times and asks forgiveness over and over. And you remember Jesus' answer is seven times 70. It's, hey, over and over and over. Why? Because souls are at stake. And so it's out of this that Jesus says, let me tell you what the kingdom of heaven's like. Keep in mind, we're the kingdom. The kingdom's made up of people that are following the Lord where the king is reigning over us. He says, here's what the kingdom of heaven is like. Imagine a king comes and, and he's going to settle the accounts of everybody that owes him. And so he goes to this one man that owes him and it's calculated what he owes and he owes 10,000 talents. Now, here it doesn't even tell us what the talents. Is it talents of silver? Is it talents of gold? The point is this. Whatever 10,000 would be, it would be far more than many, many men could pay in a lifetime. The idea is you can't pay back this much money. And the man pleads, he says, please, because the master says, okay, we got to do what we got to do. And you know how it is. You can't pay your debts. You're sold into bond as a bond servant. And we sell your wife and we sell your children into bond servants. And so he's telling this story and the man begs, please have mercy on him. And he says he has compassion on him and he forgives him of his debt. And this same man that has just been forgiven more than he could ever repay goes out on his way and he sees a man that owes him a hundred in an area. That's about three months salary. So this other guy owns, he, he, he has just been forgiven lifetimes of debt. And he grabs this man by the throat and he demands that he pay back. And the man says, have compassion on me. I can't pay it right now. I will pay it. Have compassion. He throws him into jail. He's holding him in prison. Now, there's, see, there's three scenes to this story. There were others that were a part of this kingdom, and they watched what that man did, and it grieved them. It ought to break the heart of kingdom people when they see people that don't practice forgiveness. I'd like for us to read together as we close this lesson, the last four verses to summarize this story in this chapter. In verse 32 of Matthew 18, then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the tortures until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. We must have a memory that goes all the way back to the cross so that we will never forget that we owe forgiveness. Someone hurts us and, and we say, I, I could never forgive them. I, 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 they don't deserve it. They don't. You don't do it because of them. We owe forgiveness because what has been forgiven of us. Look at Jesus on the cross and then turn around and say, I'm not going to forgive somebody. And that's what this story is all about. If we remember what the Lord has done for us, that should be the motive and the example of righteousness that we are willing to turn and forgive others. If you're my age or older, you remember Boston, right? If I was a singer, I would take off more than a feeling. 
My fear is a lot of people think forgiveness is just a feeling. We know you hurt me and I'm going to let enough time go by. And if enough time goes by, it won't hurt so much. And then I'll say, I've forgiven you. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is not let time take care of it and the feeling is over. What we just studied this morning, it has to do with eternity. It has to do with a heart of humility that says, I want to have that childlike characteristic that Jesus said I must have in order to deal properly with offenses. And so I'm going to keep my eyes on eternity. And when I'm the one offending, I'm going to look toward eternity and I'm going to say what I need to cut out of my life to keep from damaging these relationships and so I can spend an eternity with the Lord. But also we're going to keep our eyes on eternity and when we see our, our brother or sister or our friend, we see them overtaken, we're not just going to say, well, I don't have a problem with it. But instead we're going to say, what can I do to help them have healing in their brokenness also? And no doubt, when we are truly hurt, it's hard to justify why that person deserves to be forgiven. And that's where Jesus teaches us we must have a memory that goes all the way back to the cross and remember what was forgiven and what was paid for our forgiveness and be willing to offer what we have first received from God. You can't live a life without dealing with offenses. You can't. And so the question I beg you to hang on to this morning, are you going to deal with them more than a feeling? That is such an immature and shallow way to deal with offenses. But in faith and in commitment, in spiritual academics, will you learn what God has offered to us that is so much higher? We're about to sing a song of encouragement. And I want you to think about what we're encouraging someone to do. If your life right now, because of sin, has separated you from God, and, and that is an offense to God, we're encouraging you to seek His forgiveness. He offers it. He, as a matter of fact, Christianity is all about forgiveness. From the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, it's all about forgiveness. So this morning, if you're ready to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, we would love to help you with that and encourage you in that. And if you don't know what that's about, we'd love to answer questions, to sit down and study with you. We want you to know a peace that passes understanding because you know God's forgiveness. That's the greatest blessing that most of us in this room have ever experienced in our lifetime. And we would love for everybody to experience that. Maybe you've begun that journey and along the way you've lost sight of that journey and offenses have come into your life and you haven't handled them right and you want to come back this morning repenting and confessing and praying forgiveness. If we can help you this morning in any way, come as we